And one of the carers came up to me afterwards. She was like, wow. I never knew, for one, that that old guy um, had horses when he was younger and he had race horses and used to train them. And two, she was saying that we haven't really heard him speak for months. Like, he doesn't speak anymore. He doesn't smile. He doesn't respond. But him seeing the horses just triggered, like, his memories and his past and made him a lot happier. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. A place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present, and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Hannah Pickett from It's Crunch Time. Hannah is 20 years old and is a serious influencer in the world of social media, as you'll hear us speak about in this interview. The amazing part about Hannah is the message she spreads to the world of hundreds of thousands of followers. It's one of kindness, positive reinforcement training, and building a long and lasting partnership with your horse in order to do great things together. I believe the word inspirational is used a little too often these days, but I can assure you that Hannah is the perfect person to be inspiring the next generation of horse people, as you're about to hear. Wisdom usually comes from age and experience, and I'm not sure Hannah really understands the positive impact she's actually having on the world. However, Hannah is still a very wise young woman, and one to take note of for the future. I, for one, will delight in watching her grow and see what more she goes on to do to make a positive difference in the horse world. Here is Hannah. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Tracy. It's a pleasure. Can you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, I'm 20 years old and I live on the Sydney's Northern Beaches and I've developed a business from social media um, using my miniature horses um, to go to nursing homes, um, do children's parties. Um, And it's like just started from social media and it just developed from there and it's been a crazy, amazing ride. Wonderful. And you've also performed at Equitana and other horse shows, I believe, as well. Uh, yeah, so lucky enough on behalf of Horsewise Magazine, um, I'm the ambassador of Horsewise Magazine to have performed at Equitana in both 2016 and last year in 2018. And uh, it was amazing. Um, a long drive from Sydney to Melbourne, but totally worth it. Wow. So you're only 20, but you have been with horses a while. When did horses first come into your life? Um, I was super lucky that my mom was into horses. So she's um, had a horse since she was three years old. But funnily enough, when my mom had a horse, um, she had a horse up at Pete's Ridge. So I used to go up every two, um, every week with her when I, when I was very young, um, since I was two weeks old. But I didn't really get into horses until I was around nine years old. Before then, I thought they were a bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until my mom bought a second horse because her older horse, uh, old horse was getting a bit old and she wanted a younger horse to ride, um, that I fell in love with her new horse because he looked like the spitting image of spirit, um, from the movie, yeah, spirit. So it just kind of started from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a great movie. That's, um, that's based on the Spanish Mustang, I believe. 
didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, beautiful. I've got one of those. Um, okay, that's how I know. And you're 11. What was your first horse then? So did you learn riding from your mum? Um, yeah, I learned a bit from my mum. We're not very a competitive family when it comes to horse riding. It's all just bush bashing and having fun. So me and my mum, um, we'd go up like every Saturday and just go for a ride in the bush and I would ride my, ho- my horse and she would ride hers. And that's just how I learned to ride, just hold on, <laughs> wish for the best and see how you go. And um, it definitely taught me a lot about how to really balance the horse and really move with the horse without like any restrictions. So it was a beautiful way to learn. Yeah, that's great. And so did your mum get you a horse or did you ride her new one? Um, well, it was intended for my mum. Um, his yeah. name was Farrow. Um, and she, he was a beautiful, beautiful Arab with a long black mane and buckskin in the body. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so my, it was supposed to be my mum's horse, but very quickly she ended up uh, giving him to me to ride So because she really wanted me to get into horse riding. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do with your kids. It's such a lovely experience out there in the bush, just enjoying something beautiful together. It's a great mum. And it's a different thing to be riding to actually having your own horses. And you went into miniature horses as well. How did that transition happen? Yeah, that's a funny story, actually. Um, Well, it started off when we lived in Forestville in Sydney. Um, we had our next door neighbors had a small little block of land at the top of their property. Like, oh, I would be like maybe a quarter of an acre, like very small space. Um, and it happened to be that we went to Bell Rose one day and we met this girl called Sam and she was performing outside of Bunnings with her um, gorgeous miniature horse, Silver. And I think the other one was Forest, I think it was called. And she was getting the horse to do tricks, a little tiny minis, only about 80 centimetres high, getting it to rear up and lie down and smile. And me and my mum, me being only probably seven at the time, were just like overwhelmed and in love with these miniature horses. So because we probably talked to her for about an hour and didn't leave her alone, she ended up inviting us to her place. And we got to meet all our animals and she has about 50 horses and she breeds miniature horses um, here in the Northern Beaches. Um, so very quickly me and my mom, especially my mom, um, ended up getting a little mini called Alvin and we had him in our backyard in, um, Forestville and cause it was such a small space, we ended up having his stable under the house and he was only one at the time. So it was very cheeky, um, as miniature, miniature horses can be. And we took him for walks, um, every day or actually twice a day around the neighborhood. How big Um, is he? He, I'm trying to remember from remember he's probably around 70 centimeters between 70 and 80 centimeters oh my god tiny um and we only probably had him for about six months just because having one little mini in a very small area walking him twice a day he actually got a little bit um smelly and the next neighbors noticed too it doesn't matter how much we tried to keep him like contained and washed out his stable it just got a bit smelly and he wasn't very happy yeah. Um, but towards the end, my mom used to walk around and we used to raise money for MS with him and all the neighbours knew him and loved him. So that's how we had our first mini. Um, and it wasn't until we moved to um, the Northern Beaches and we moved to an area near Motorvale um, that we ended up having an acre and a half of land, which was, um, yeah, remarkable for Sydney. Yeah. Um, and that one is when I was uh, just turned 10. And we ended up moving down the road from the lady that we found at Bunnings. 
many, many years ago. Oh, wow. So we contacted Sam. Um, I think she was surprised that we moved just down the road from her. And a couple of months later, she said she had a mini called Crunch. And she wanted us to come and meet Crunch. So we went up there and I went up with a couple of my next door neighbours. And at the time, I was only really tiny and Crunch was only a couple of months old. So he was the same size as a cat. Um, and he oh was an awful. Oh, my God. It's so hard to imagine unless you're there that they can come in such a tiny size. Oh, he was tiny. I mean, he was just like this big fluff ball of red, red hair, (laughs) a gorgeous little face. And um, we played around with him for about an hour and he was actually an orphan um, when he was born because miniature horses, um, because they're so small and they're bred to being being small, their success rate of like giving birth is not very high. Mm. So his mum passed away, I believe, about a week after he was born. Um, so he was, he's a very human like horse because Sam used to take him in the car, carry him around. He spent a lot of time in the house. They had him in the bed because they had to bottle feed him obviously every couple of hours. Um, so compared to her 50 other horses, he was very special because they actually really formed a special connection with him. So she didn't want him to go to anywhere particular or like sell him to anybody that she didn't really know. So when he turned one, she surprised me and she was like, hey, do you want to have crunch? Um, and we were like, obviously, yes, we'll take him. So we, we put him in the paddock. Um, and by this, t- this stage, he was, only, he was one. So miniature horses grow very fast. So he was already fully grown by the age he was one. And how big um, was he fully grown? He's fully grown now. He is 81 centimetres, which is wow. 31 inches. Yeah. So Miniature horses aren't um, measured in like hands, which big horses are. But mm-hmm. I believe if he was measured in hands, he would be around seven hands. Wow. Or a little bit smaller. So he's pretty tiny. Mm. Yeah, so we, we ended up with him and it started off as a bit of a lease kind of thing to see how he went. Um, and she brought another miniature horse called Kiss Kiss Down, who was just like his companion. Um, which she ended up taking back after a couple of months because she wanted to do showing with Kiss Kiss. And then she brought down another um, mini cool bear, which was a stallion. So it was a little bit, a little bit hard to, to control and maintain. Um, so she ended up taking him back. And eventually she actually found a mini that she was looking after at the time, which, so she was, her name's Lippy, um, which I later called her Lippy. And she was born as a dwarf miniature horse. Um, so she was born wow. with, double jointed shoulders her eyes are slightly off but like she's mentally there and she's physically really healthy um and she asked if we wanted to have her and we said yes because um otherwise the owners would have um put her down just because they don't want miniature horses that are not perfectly correct Mm, for their breeding program yeah yeah so um, we ended up just taking her on as a family pet. And to us, like what a miniature horse looks like or what a horse in general looks like is not important. It's more about their personality. And she has such a sweet, beautiful personality and so does Crunch. So they ended up becoming best friends. And, um, yeah, I've been training them ever since. And that's how we've got, that we got them today. Wonderful. And were you inspired by the work that Sam had been doing with showing them and that's what you really wanted to do? Yeah, I... It was actually funny. At the time, I wasn't interested in tricks. Um, I just, I didn't really understand. And if you don't really understand how to teach a horse doing tricks, it's quite frustrating. 
So in the beginning, I just taught Crunch how to jump and I found out he had a real knack for jumping really high. Um, and he can jump up to about a metre 15 and he's only 80 centimetres high. Wow. Uh, yeah. So when I was younger, um, so I'd have been around 10, 11 at the time when we had him, um, I'd run around the tennis court because that's the only flat place on our property. And I, every day after school, I was so excited to run down to go and play with them and teach them teach him things and in the beginning it was so frustrating because these naughty ponies you know bite and kick and rear and like you'd be dragging them around and they wouldn't do anything so sometimes I would come up for dinner and I'd be crying like he won't do anything and can't get them to do anything mom and it just because I didn't learn from anybody I was self-taught it was a very long process the beginning which I'm actually very thankful for because they've taught me a lot and I've learned all my training um, methods through like trial and error yeah um, and you were so young like you were so young to be to do to be doing that and learning on your own it's really wonderful yeah and all the next door neighbors kids will come around and they would come and visit them and play around with me so it was, it was a lot of fun for for all of us at that stage because we're so young um so that's where I got into jumping so I first taught crunch to jump and I noticed he could jump really well um, and then it wasn't until I was 15, which I decided to start doing um, kids parties um, here in the Northern Beaches at our venue, which is a little bit daunting at 15 to run your own business and have employees. But amazingly today, we've actually entertained over 170 parties wow. over the past five years. Um, and from there, I was like, I needed to do, I needed to do something that was different to all the other kids party businesses around here because all I do is have a scruffy pony and walk around a couple of circles and that's all I did and to myself I was like well I can do a lot more with my horses what can I do that really differentiates myself from everyone else and I found that doing like a half an hour trick show obviously at the time I didn't know any tricks so I had to learn very quickly um, how to trick train and I was inspired mostly by Georgia Bruce who does um, clicker training with her horses mm-hmm uh, which is clicker training is mostly you would have heard um, doing dog training. Yeah. So you, yeah. yeah a so lot you, of people who were inspired by that on this podcast, that beautiful positive reinforcement training. Yeah. How interesting. Um, yeah. I loved it from the very beginning. I just found it was the best way of training, training up any horse um, and just being able to click and feed them the food at the same time as you teach them to do a trick. They get very like into doing tricks, like, Crunch and Lippy nowadays get so excited when it comes to training session because they know it's like treat time. Yeah. So it's a beautiful way, way of training. So it's not just about the food. It's about I get to do something fun. I get to use my brain. I get to use my body in a fun way and I get a treat. There's no lose yeah. there, is there? It's just all win. Yeah, exactly. And so how did it go? How long did it take you once you learnt that method to teach them tricks? Um, it, what I've learned, it's the first three tricks um, is the hardest and I can't remember now it's quite a while ago because that have been five years ago but I think it probably took me about a couple of months to get the first three tricks down pad and that'd probably been like lie down smile and shake like they're quite simple but possible tricks to do with them and once I found I got their brains understanding how clicker training worked and I understood it better too um, training the tricks became a lot easier now like with crunch because we're very in tune and we've been working together for the past like nine years. If I wanted to teach him a new trick, it can take me about from one session to three sessions and he'll, he'll understand what I'm asking him to do. So it's quite incredible once you get a real good partnership with them, 
how quickly you can train them. Lippy, on the other hand, um, I don't get along with as well as crunch. Um, I don't know why, but I think it's like if you go to school and you get put with a partner in class to do a group assignment and you don't get along with them as well, the assignment doesn't go as well. That's how I feel like with Lippy. Um, So she takes a little bit longer to train to do um, a trick. So it would probably be three to five sessions. Wow, that's still fast though. And how long would each session go for? Uh, I never set a certain time. I would set a little, like a little goal that I want to achieve, like a certain part of the trick, say, with lie down, it would be getting the first two legs down on the ground, but it wouldn't be getting their bottom to the ground. And once I achieve that, I would do it about three times just to make sure they understand. And I'll leave that trick alone and then maybe move to something else or that's all I would do for the afternoon. So my sessions could go between like 10 minutes to maybe 40 minutes. Yeah, um, and great. Yeah, I never really go any longer than that because I find they get a bit bored and like you don't really get anywhere. So just short, quick sessions seem to work very well. And you said they've taught you a lot, these little guys. What is it? Then what are some of the things that they've taught you about yourself? Because you're only 20, but you've come a long way and you're doing amazing things. So I'd really love to hear from a, a young person perspective. Um, what have they taught me? Um, I'd say especially like patience being that young, having the patience to train an animal and like learning to look after them. Because even here on the North Beaches, we've got the acre and a half. You have to you know, pick up their poo every day. You have to let them out into the paddock because we – have a holding paddock during the um, the night so they don't eat too much grass because mm-hmm. um, miniature horses are known for foundering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just like probably like partnership and understanding. Like once you really connect with a horse or pretty much any animal, it's, it's amazing how much you do understand about yourself because you understand when you get angry, they react to that anger and they don't like it and you learn to control your anger or like, it's your tone of voice. Like if you have like um, an angrier tone of voice or a faster tone of voice, the horse reacts to it. So I think it definitely gave me when I was younger, a sense of being like calm and in control. And I tend to not freak out about something that happens now. It's very kind of like, if you stay calm and collected, the horse will stay calm and collected. And I think that resonates pretty much with everything in my life. I just don't when there's something, a disaster or something happens in my life, I don't seem to like panic as much as say my friends would. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're probably my biggest learnings. Wonderful. They're great lessons to learn this young because your generation is not known for being patient. So it's yeah. fantastic. I'm so glad that you're, you're leading the way in that one. And that hard work pays off as well. You've worked hard. Like it would be very easy at a young age to want to train a horse for hours a day until they got it and, and um, have them do a lot. So it's really great that you've got that incredible patience to understand when they've had enough. It's it's a wise thing to learn. It's wonderful. And where did you go from there? So you just popped yourself up on social media and it seems to have taken off because your following on social media is quite extraordinary. Tell me a bit about that and how that all happened. Yeah, it was, um, it was weird because obviously social media at the time was quite new. So I started off um, I think it was around 2011 I started posting um, just a couple of videos of Crunch just jumping. And I was just, like, blown away. I think it was from the very first video I posted up. I think it got, like, for back then it was a lot. I think it was, like, 100,000 views in the first month. And I was like, whoa, like, I'm onto something. I think this is, like, people want to see this. 
So I just played around, got my friends to video. We did some more jumping videos and just like played around. And we took, we take the horses down to Jarvis Bay and post some videos of them running on the beach. Um, and just like, just slowly, slowly get more of a following. And my videos just got shared everywhere. And then one day somebody was like, oh, you should go on Instagram. So I made an Instagram account, not knowing what the app was and started posting um, photos. And I think it was within the first month I had like 10,000 followers or something. And I was like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that's quite remarkable. And so I just, I just persisted every day, just posting a photo, a video of something we've learned or something we're doing and just like slowly just developing this following. And now today we've got over, I think it's 215,000 followers on Instagram and over like six or seven million views on YouTube. Wow. Um, yeah. And does that sustain you as a business as well? It definitely helps when it comes to brands or like aligning with other people because they see that you have the audience already. So for example, um, when I found Horsewives magazine, I was at a horse event with Crunch and I talked to her and I, I showed her my following and she was quite impressed with everything that I've done at such a young age. Um, and she ended up taking me under a wing about three years ago, um, Emma Lipscomb, who runs the magazine. And she's um, let me ever since write an article called Crunch Time Capers. Um, and that's definitely helped me with my English skills, writing um four times a year. So it comes out quarterly. Mm-hmm. And from there, like the very first time I met her, she's like, have a front cover, have the poster, which was like remarkable. And we've been working together ever since. And she's helped me get into Equitana. And because I've got a big online following, Equitana knows that my fans will come along to Equitana too. So it's, um, it definitely helps getting into the industry I've noticed. And there's other couple of things that are coming up now that, definitely my social media following has helped and I've had a couple of brands um, collaborations with um, brands such as like Noble Outfitters which provide really nice clothing um, currently sponsored by like Midavite so there's been a lot of things that have helped definitely with social media and it's also just being known it's amazing um, like when I go to event how many people know us from social media and they come over um, one experience I had that really touched me was when I was at Equitana. I think it was 2016. So it was the first time I'd been in a big event or performed in front of a big audience. And I remember we performed just after Double Dan. And Double Dan in industry are huge. And I remember I was just astounded that I had more people watching me than Double Dan before me. So everybody came along with their grandparents, their kids, because the kids are mostly the ones that follow me, and their parents, and they come and watch. And I remember walking into that arena, and I, I think it was the first five minutes talking, I wanted to faint. I, I've, oh, I, was, I was terrified because I've never heard my um, voice on a speaker before. Wow. And it was such a big event. And we think that there's probably around 600 to 1,000 people watching each performance I did each day. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely terrifying, but I remember after the performance, I did a meet and greet and there was like, I think it was a six year old. She came up to me and she just loved me. You can just tell if like her face was just so bright. And I was like, oh, you're so adorable. She was like jumping up and down. You can't wait for me to sign. Like um, at the time I was selling like hats and t-shirts with like the crunch time on it. And then there was another girl that came up to me and she was like crying over meeting me. And so many people 
so many of the kids came up to me and they're like, oh, I trained my goat tricks because of you or I trained my miniature horse tricks of you or because of you or I bought a miniature horse because of you. I think at least 100 miniature horses have been bought because of Crunch because everyone just wow. sees Crunch to go, I want to do that too. Yeah. And the, the funniest thing about it is because um, I think kids want things very much these days, very um, instantaneous. They want to see the results straight away. Yeah. And they message me and they'll be like, I've had my mini for six months. It still bites and kicks me. Why doesn't it rear up in the air and lie down? I'm like, it takes time and patience. This has like been nine years of me training these guys. It's, it doesn't come automatically. So yeah, and are they following your, um, your lead with the clicker training? Um, yeah, I've, I do a lot of lessons too and I've shown them clicker training and everybody they have shown clicker training have definitely taken on board and they love it. Um, it's, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big advocate for it. So I think there'll be a little bit of an influence there. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's the best thing about what it is that you do, that you're showing that um, positive reinforcement to so many young people like yourself, you know, that's what's going to change the horse industry. And that's why I'm so excited about what it is that you do because you're young and your following is huge and the lessons that you're teaching in how to train animals is brilliant. It really is. It's the way of the future. And, um, and you're literally leading a generation of little people into making a different, um, different world for horses. So it's really huge what it is that you're doing. And you're only 20. Mm, yeah, no, it's been, it's, um, it's overwhelming at times because I found that I just walk my miniature horses down the road, for example, and there'll be some kids screaming out the window like, I love you, it's crunch time or Hannah kind of thing. And <laughs> being that well known and just walking your horse down the road is um pretty funny. And it, it definitely holds a bit of a responsibility on my shoulders that, the parents look up to me to being like a role model for their kids. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of responsibility that comes with being that like idol for kids too. That well known. Yeah. And um, not only do you do kids parties, tell me about the other side of the work that you do. Where else do you take the little guys? Yeah. So um, my newest business, which I'm trying to get off the ground is taking um, them to nursing homes and uh, retirement villages around the Northern beaches um, and performing and providing equine therapy to the elderly. Mm. Um, and I've done a couple of the visits now and I do an hour show. So I show the people um, how I train them to do tricks and funny stories from my childhood. Cause I take a couple of chickens in and I've got a lot of funny funny stories from my childhood with the chickens because I used to work in a nursery and uh, I would work there just three hours on the weekend because I was only probably like eight. I worked there from when I was like nine to 13 and we just knew the people. Mm-hmm. And as my pay would be being paid in a chicken every weekend. Um, so I ended up with like 20 chickens by the end of it. And when I take them to nursing homes, I tell them about my, my stories of chickens because I've done some really funny things. Before I was known as the horse girl, I was the chicken girl. So um, tell, us one, tell us one story about a chicken. I'd love to One story. Um, this is probably the, yeah, the funniest story I've had or ever done is I think I was around 10 at the time and um, my next door neighbor's chicken, my rooster, Angus, and her chicken, um, her name was, oh, I can't remember, Chloe. And they would jump the fence and they would go and dust bath together, these two chickens, and they loved each other. So me and my next neighbour, um, CL, at the time she was a little bit younger than me, were like, let's do a chicken wedding. And I was like, yes, let's get them married. <laughs> so 
that week I put out invitations to all my mom's family, friends and my friends and the whole neighborhood um, to come to our house for a chicken wedding. And me being not very wise at the time, I think I said it to being about two or three o'clock on a weekday. Um, it didn't stop people. I remember our next neighbor's dad, he came home from work and he, he works like top of the banking industry, which is quite funny, to come to this chicken wedding. Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> and we had everybody dressed up. So all, all the guys, including my dad, were in like suits and I was in a pretty dresses and we made an aisle for them. We picked flowers. Uh, we made outfits for my rooster and her chicken. We even had one of the chickens um, be a bridesmaid. Um, and we remember we pushed them down the aisle <laughs> as you do, which is really funny. Everybody was around, we pushed them down the aisle. My mum's friend at the time, he was, he likes writing songs. So he wrote like a melody to get them down the aisle. So he was like, book, 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 <laughs> kind of thing. And he had his guitar. Um, and then we had one of our other friends called Craig and he, he's so funny. He wrote a, a eulogy for them. Um, which I still have today. It was so funny. And it went for about 10 minutes. Um, and during the eulogy, the chickens were so good. They just, they just sat there. They're both um, bantams, so the miniature chickens. They're very mm. placid. And I remember looking at my rooster and everybody was laughing because he ended up like falling asleep on his bride. <laughs> he had his head. He didn't care about what was going on. He just fell asleep on her. Um, and yeah, that was one of the funniest um, stories I've had. And the, when I go to nursing homes, people find that so funny. And I show them the video of us all dressed up and the photos. And it's definitely a very memorable moment in my childhood. And I don't regret it. Yes, it was a bit weird, but I don't regret doing it because like, you know, childhood's about making those funny memories and doing that kind of thing. So it's about yeah, using your imagination. But what you've done there is you've been able to rally a community at such a young age, people left work to come to this and you've organized something from start to finish. You know, you didn't say, oh, I might do this and then not do it. You're an extraordinary person. Um, you have such an incredible ethic in you to start something and finish something. Is that something you've always had or was it something your mum taught you or dad taught you? Um, I'm very lucky in the way that my parents have always kind of instilled, like, you know, you start something, you always finish it. Um, especially with my parents, they both run their own businesses. So we all work from home. We all run our own businesses. Um, so for example, my dad, um, started an app developing company, um, which he ran for five years and my mom, um, does, um, soap courses. So mm. on weekends, so my mom makes all natural soaps so on the weekends, I'll be running, um, pony parties. So I do about two pony parties on a Saturday and she'll be running a, um, soap making course up in our garage. So I think it's just always. I've, I don't really see anything outside of it. I always see creating your own thing and creating your own business is like my only option. I, I can't really see myself necessarily working for somebody. I find too much enjoyment coming up with ideas and creating them and making them happen. Yeah, it sounds like a very creative household you grew up in as well. That's amazing. And what kind of um, feedback are you getting from the nursing homes? Can you tell us a story about any changes you've made in that arena and the people that are there? Yeah, I can't. Well, mostly it's just like the smiles it brings to people's faces. Mm. Actually, there's one particular one I remember. We went to Manly and it was I was a nursing home. So it's like high care where the people are mostly in beds and lots of them have dementia. 
and I remember one of the um, the carers was saying, because like when the um, people talk to me, I don't really see it as like, oh, wow, they're talking to me. It's just like a simple conversation. And I might re- be repeating myself 10 times, but that comes with a job. Mm. And one of the carers came up to me afterwards and I was like, she was like, wow, I never knew, like, I never knew for one that that old guy um, had horses when he was younger and he had race horses and used to train them. And two, she was saying that we haven't really heard him speak for months. Like he doesn't speak anymore. He doesn't smile. He doesn't respond. But him seeing the horses just triggered like his memories and his past and made him a lot happier. So like things like that definitely make it a lot more rewarding. And I I would really like to go into going to say Care Bear facilities where the kids are like only six months to leave just to brighten up their day. But we'll see how that goes because that's a very hard thing to confront. Yeah, yeah, it is. It takes a lot on your part to be able to have the uh, the bravery. It takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage, but you've done so much, you know. Yeah, you'll do it or you won't. It'll be up to you and you'll make the right decision. That's a big one to do, absolutely very big one to do. And where to from here? Like you're 20 years old, you've done so much already. Do you see your future growing and changing can you do you like have a projection of where you can see it going or are you just happy taking it one day at a time and then an idea comes and you run with it how do you work um I very much visualize what I want um I'm big in visualization but it's funny because I I left school and I always kind of half denied my work that I've done with my horses to my friends I was always separating my my like friend life with my horse life and always kind of when I was with people, I wouldn't really talk about it. I'd keep it quieter. And when I finished school, I went to um, do a Bachelor of Applied Entrepreneurship, which I'm still studying now, which is developing your own business. And from that course, I found I became more and more interested in like, what can I do with this like horse, um, working with horses? Because I also did a bit of um, internships with Antipodeans, which is is a travel agency. And they always get me to do their social media because I've done quite well in social media Mm. and just I thought I would go into marketing and social media and I possibly can see myself in the future but sitting in an office all day just oh it didn't inspire me I just felt like it was just going around around in circles and I'm very appreciative for the opportunity but from there I was like right no I really want to make this my future and um, an example of me trying to make the horse thing my future it's at the moment I'm doing a Brumby challenge which is called the 250 day Brumby challenge from um, the Hunter Valley and it's where you have 250 days to train a wild horse um, from yeah, being wild to being able to like cut cattle do tricks with them and perform and my end performance is in April so I've got about um, 70 days left I believe out of the 250 days so I'm trying to get more recognized in the um, world of big horses so you're a bit more um People, because they see me with miniature horses, they go, oh, anybody can do that. But if you can train a big horse, it's a bit more, you get more appreciation for the top trainers, you yeah. say. So that's one particular direction I want to go in. And um, I'm auditioning my miniature horses in a couple of things, which is quite exciting, which is coming up. And got a p- possibility of taking them to New Zealand when um, Equitana runs this year. So it's, it's like a slowly, but surely, like there's a little bit of a momentum as long as I keep doing stuff and keep posting things and doing things, making connections, it's, it's amazing. It's like a little bit of a chain effect and also one thing leads to another. And it's, 
I love this industry particularly. If you just stay in the creative side, I'm not too interested in like the the serious horse side where like the competing. I like more of the um, entertainment um, area. And I found in this area, you find some really awesome people. For example, um, there's this lady called Chris Stanley and she got me into doing nursing homes in the first place. And she's got rainbow chickens and she's got bright pink hair and she's an older lady, but she's got this beautiful personality about her. And she goes to nursing homes um, and she performs for the elderly. Um, and she performs with her chickens. So she's got bright colored chi- um, chickens. So she used food, food dye to um, color these white silkies mm. and she performs. And she's actually become quite big now too, because she's on Better Homes and Gardens and she's doing some quite extraordinary things. And that's her full on career. She goes to about like five nursing homes a week. So every day she'll go to a nursing home and she's booked out a year in advance. And she definitely was a big influence to me going, wow, you can actually turn animals into a business and you'll love into a business. Yeah. Um, and another example. making the world a better place because it's bringing so much joy to the world. Oh, yeah, totally. And there's another person that's been a big influence to me is um, Alicia Burton. I don't know if you've heard of her. And yes, she's yes. very free yeah, jumping. And, she's yeah, free jumping. Woman. Yeah, free riding. Yeah. Yeah, and she's been a big influence to me too because I went to her first, I think I was only around 14, 15 at the time, and I went to her first camp in New Zealand that she did with kids because she wants to help youth. And I remember staying there for a week, and it was a big thing for me because I've never flown to another country by myself, at, like especially at 15, or I've never met her before, and I'd never been to New Zealand. And it was middle of winter at the time. So being outside with horses all day, you couldn't feel your fingers. It was freezing because mm. it was um, in the South Island. So it was in Dunedin. Mm. And from there, like I really got to know Alicia and she came to Australia. Um, I think it was around 2016. So the year I just graduated um, high school. And she was like, oh, you know, you do so amazing with minis. Do you want to come and tour Australia with me? And at the time I was like, oh, a bit too much overwhelmed but I did perform with her um in um, Sydney all her Sydney performances and she had about a thousand a couple more people performing with her but she also showed me that horses can be your career your animals can be career but you have to work very hard to get there and since then she's now in America touring so she's done very well for herself she has I've seen um seen her perform and I've been to a talk and she's really great for young people as well because she talks a lot about you know, you need to get up and you need to do the work and you need to take responsibility. She's a wonderful influence in the in the horse world as well. She's a lovely person. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, it, just another thing on top of that, we both boomed on social media around the same time. We're the two bigger influences, I guess. So we definitely gravitate to each other because we're yeah. that interesting, weird kind of entertainment side of horses, which there's not many people in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting and it's different. I'm not sure it'll be weird. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that um, you're making it, it accessible to other people. You know, other people are now who would normally ride in a different way or, or treat their horses in some way are going, I wonder, I wonder if I could get the same results using clickers with my horse and, and doing positive reinforcement and things. So I think I think what you're doing is amazing on so many levels. And the best part about it is that all you're doing is what you love. You, you know, you're not doing it because it makes the world a better place. You're not doing it to be a role model for other people. You're not doing it to change a horse world. You're just doing it because you love it. But the byproduct of what it is that you're doing 
you, you really are a, a leader for your generation and the people coming after you. And I just love what you do and always have um, because you're a young person and you're making a difference. No, it's it's been an amazing journey so far and more and more I can just see it being career. But yes, it's a lot more hard work and you really have to put the work in. But there is like what you receive back from people is um, definitely worth the work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the nursing homes is just such a beautiful idea. It really is. It, it will make the world a better place to bring smiles on the faces of people who um, who are in a place and they think that you know, it, it's towards the end and that nobody really cares. And, you know, it's it's lovely to think that you're bringing a smile to their face and giving them some joy and filling their heart up with love. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, no, it's it's been incredible. And I hope now, I'm, I, I won't say which company, but I'm hopefully going to get sponsored by a particular company so I can do more um, nursing homes just because you need because most um, nursing homes won't have the funds to have entertainment. So I'll be yeah. doing a lot of free entertainment for them. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that'd be wonderful. I hope it I hope it comes off. So Hannah, where can we find you? Tell me about where you are. We know you're on Instagram and we know you're on Facebook, are you? So what is it? It's crunch time? Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a weird name because um, it's crunch time was taken at the beginning, but um, it's the number one, it's crunch time one. And if you look up on YouTube or Instagram, you'll find us there. Or you'll find us, um, if you live in Australia or New Zealand, you can find our article in the latest Horsewise magazine. Um, and, yeah, if you want to look up my pony party business, it's called Adorable Pony Parties. Beautiful. And I'll have all the links in the show notes as well as to how you can contact Hannah. How's the Brumby going? Yeah, no, it's been amazing because she's only a four-year-old Brumby. So she was only caught when she was two. Um, and no, she's like blown me away. She's so friendly. She loves people. Um, and she's around 15 hands high. But because she's so young, she's got really lanky legs. Like I was riding her yesterday and she kind of stumbled on herself and we both fell, fell to the ground. So we have a bit of incident sometimes. But I brush myself off and she brushes herself off and we're fine. Hop back on and go again. But no, she's doing really well. I've been taking her to the beach and she'll, she'll lie down. And um, I've been doing a lot of clicker training with like Liberty with her. So she'll kind of dance around you. And I have maybe the possibility of, I really want to teach her to go into carriage. Like I've taught my minis to go into carriage. Wow. Um, but so there's only four horses in the this particular competition because it's the first year that um, they're running the Hunter Valley um, 250 Brumby um, tournament. Um, and out of all those four horses, because we got to meet them all at the beginning, I definitely noticed she was the most curious out of the four. So it was like to my delight to be able to work with a horse that's really curious and wants to do stuff. Like she's so eager where I noticed my friend, um, Billy Fish, who's a big trainer who is um, trained by Adam Sutton, who's been helping me with the whole Brummy challenge because she knows how to break in and work with horses. And I noticed her Brummy is like amazing in its own right, but it's not as like intrigued and wanting to be with people. And I think it's because her Brummy is a seven-year-old Brummy, a little bit older. And her Brummy, I think they believe has had three or four foals in the wild. So she's a little bit more stubborn where Gypsy luckily has never had a foal. When they brought her in, they thought she would have a foal because um, they do have foals very young, Brumbies. Mm. Um, and she didn't. So 
I think definitely having that young, very elastic, imaginative kind of like brain in a horse is really lovely to work with. So I'm excited what the next two months will bring and we'll be performing in Newcastle at the end of the competition and I'm hoping to, to buy it so you can either auction them off um, and the money, 50% of the money that's made goes back to the Brumby um, organisation to save more Brumbies or you can purchase them. And I believe I purchased her for about 1500 just so they can make a bit of money just to help the Brumbies again because it's a bit of a charity thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and I really want to keep her. I think once you spend 250 days on a horse every day um, and you work with them and you really form that bond, it's like, I can't get rid of her. She, she'll, yeah. she'll be collected to our six horses we have now. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And she'll be in a wonderful place. And we'll pop the um, the links up to that as well so that um, we can see what that challenge is all about and people can see the other participants and and hopefully uh, keep track of how you go in it. But best of luck with that. I'm sure you do a fantastic job. She sounds lovely. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Hannah, I would just like to thank you for your time today and I'd also like to thank you for everything you do for horses. This podcast is all about making the world a better place for horses using positive reinforcement training and you're out there and you're doing it and you're 20 years old and you're making such a difference already. So I really look forward to keeping in touch with what it is that you're doing because um, I think you're going to be incredible and I think you are going to do horses for a living and I can't see, uh, I can't imagine you doing anything else because you're so amazing at what it is that you do. So thanks for everything that you do and thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you so much, Tracy, for having us on your podcast. I know it's taken me a while to get back to you and organise it, but I'm so glad that we ended up speaking. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. To connect with Hannah, you can simply go to the show notes and follow the links there. I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts, or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine, so please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.